Transformations by Tammy Wren H. Reading is explicit. Author chose not to use archive warnings. Category is male-male. Fandom is supernatural. Relationship, Dean Winchester slash Sam Winchester. Character, Sam Winchester, Dean Winchester, Miracle the Dog, Supernatural. Additional tags. Witch Sam Winchester, Animal Transformation, Explicit Sexual Content, Anal Sex, Bottom Sam, First Time, Protective Dean Winchester, Hurt Sam Winchester. And this is from the Wincest Reverse Bang Collection. Summary. The problem is, now that his thoughts aren't full of strategies and possibilities and worries about imminent danger and the destruction of the world, they keep returning over and over and over again to Dean. It's not a new obsession, but it's one that is now threatening to swallow Sam whole. Notes. First of all, please give all the love to my amazing artist, Midnight Silver. Secondly, my amazing beta, Carol, continues to be amazing. Thirdly, all my love to you, my readers. I hope you like the story. Sorting through Rowena's collection of magical and mystical items takes Sam months. Once Chuck is defeated and things settle to their new normal, Sam returns to Rowena's old apartment and empties it. He starts methodically going through everything, and there is a lot to go through. There are items Sam is kind of scared to touch, ingredients in small pewter bowls or in bottles that he has no idea what they are or for what purpose they are to be used. Things that disappear when he gets too close and reappear somewhere else in the bunker days later. Even if there was another witch he trusted, there are no witches alive that have the same knowledge of their craft that Rowena did. No one that would know what magic can be created from the smooth black stone that turns glowy yellow in Sam's hand or the reddish-gold, sand-like substance in a glass vial that smells like dill pickles. Eventually, Sam divides Rowena's inventory into three groups, items that could be useful in hunts, ingredients for spells that he would like to try, and dark magic items that need to be locked up so tightly nobody will ever be able to get to them. It keeps him busy and keeps his mind off of Dean because obsessing about Dean has become a problem. A problem that Sam has no idea how to solve. So he takes a page out of Dean's book and deals with it by ignoring it in hopes it will magically, ha, go away. The problem is, now that his thoughts aren't full of strategies and possibilities and worries about imminent danger and the destruction of the world, they keep returning over and over and over again to Dean. It's not a new obsession, but it's one that is now threatening to swallow Sam whole. When he was a teenager, he used to daydream about Dean. Dean had been young and beautiful back then. And Sam had wanted Dean to want him, just like he wanted Dean. He knew it had been wrong. He knew it made him a freak to want his brother to share his bed. To want his brother to hold him, kiss him, make love to him. 
When he found out about the demon blood, his dark desires made sense. Clearly, it was just another aspect of the evil inside of him. He forced himself to stop thinking about Dean in that way. Their lives had been so chaotic and dangerous, with so many ups and downs, that he'd mostly been able to stop thinking about Dean as a lover. Instead, only thinking of him as his sometimes annoying, oftentimes difficult, way too protective, older brother. But now they are in a good place with each other, and with themselves. Their lives are almost too quiet. Way too often now, Sam's finding himself staring at Dean's lips, or fixating on the cocky way he moves, or imagining what it would be like for those bowed legs of Dean's to be wrapped around him. It doesn't help that Dean is still as beautiful as he was when Sam was a teenager. Maybe even more so, with the little laugh lines around his eyes and his easy confidence. Happiness looks good on Dean. Damn good. So, Sam is in desperate need of a distraction. And a deep dive into magic is the way he chooses to distract himself. Dean never warmed to witches. He eventually came to grudgingly respect Rowena but he still regards most witches with suspicion and presumes they are probably evil. But he's never given Sam any grief about Sam's interest in magic. And yeah, maybe it is because Sam's spells have gotten them out of a hot spot more than once. But Sam knows mainly it's because Dean's nature is to support Sam, even if he doesn't quite understand Sam's newfound obsession with magic. He is a good person, Dean and Sam is incredibly lucky to have him in his life. Which is why he is never going to let Dean know what he feels about him. The sick way that he wants him. Dean deserves the peaceful life he is living now, with a hunt thrown in now and then, because Dean still loves kicking ass, and Sam still loves fighting side by side with Dean. And he certainly doesn't deserve to be tainted by Sam's sick desires. Along with ingredients for spells and magical objects, Rowena had left Sam a large collection of books. Some contain spells that are easy enough to decipher. Some are about dark magic with extremely creative ways to wreak vengeance on or defeat your enemies. There's one book, complete with helpful diagrams, of highly creative ways to use magic during sexual encounters that Sam cannot even glance at without feeling his cheeks heat up. Books that are just pictures of herbs and plants. Books of old fairy tales that Sam suspects contain more than a grain of truth. Books written in Old English or Latin or Ancient Greek. But the book Sam is most drawn to is not written in any language that Sam has knowledge of. The book is well-worn. The pages faded by years of use. Some pages even appear to be blank. There are pages upon pages of words that are incomprehensible with strange symbols and letters that look similar to the alphabet, but not exactly. The book is full of magic. Of that, Sam is certain. Every time he touches it, he can feel power surge through the pages, into his body, through his fingertips. It's like being struck by lightning. His body vibrates as power surges through it, but the feeling and the power fade away quickly, leaving a feeling of emptiness behind. It's Sunday, a day like so many Sundays before it. 
Dean has gone to take Miracle for a walk, the bunker is quiet, and Sam's thoughts are too loud. Sam picks up the book, feels the power surge into him, feels it dissipate. He chooses a random page and concentrates on it, forcing all other thoughts from his mind. Absently picking up the black stone, Sam rubs it with his fingers as it transforms from black to yellow. Sam tries to sound out the words on the page phonetically. He repeats the words a few times, trying to figure out the origins of the words, or if they are maybe in code. He tries to rearrange the letters in his head, trying to find a pattern that makes sense. He's so focused on the individual letters that he almost misses it when the words begin to wiggle and squirm. Sam watches, transfixed, as the words rearrange themselves and begin to form a picture. A picture of a black panther with marble-yellow glowing eyes. A panther that moves, stretches, and looks straight at him. Sam can feel his fingers twitch with the need to throw the book across the room, but he can't move. It's like the panther's gaze has trapped him. Words begin to form on the page around the panther. Words that almost seem to be in English, but make no sense. As if he's being compelled, helpless to stop himself, Sam reads them out loud anyway. Trastin, Abjurati, Jubors, Horrific, Jajatra. And the panther jumps out of the book right at him. Sam scrambles back, knocking the chair over. There's a strange feeling of bones twisting inside of him, of his world shifting. And the next thing Sam knows is he's kneeling on the floor. He feels disoriented, dizzy. The floor wavers beneath him, but that might just be his vision blurring. He tries to stand up, but no part of his body is working properly. And then he looks at his feet, and they aren't feet at all. They are black and... Hey, Sam, I stopped by the bakery and... Sam looks up and Dean is standing in the doorway of the library, frozen in shock. Sam opens his mouth. A strange kind of hissing sound comes out. Dean reaches behind him, pulls out his gun. What have you done to Sam? Sam tries to make a sound again, tries to say Dean, but it's some kind of bastard mix of a growl hiss that gets out. He moves around anxiously, unsteadily, as Dean trains his gun on him. I'm three seconds from blasting you back to wherever the fuck you came from, Dean says coldly. For the last time, where is Sam? Miracle comes bounding in, rushing past Dean before Dean can grab him. Miracle, Dean yells, but Miracle runs right toward Sam. Sam tenses, thinking Miracle is going to attack him, not that he's much of a guard dog, but he's very protective of Dean. Instead, Miracle comes right to Sam, barking happily and licking his face. Sam's tongue comes out without his consent and begins licking back and, ew, ew, dog. Sam backs away and somehow he has four feet instead of two and he unbalances and topples right over. Miracle jumps right on top of him, licking any part of Sam he can reach. Sam? Dean asks, unsure. Sammy, is that you? 
there's this weird kind of mewling noise that Sam suspects is coming from him. Miracle settles beside Sam, tail wagging happily. Dean approaches him slowly as Sam tries to struggle to stand on his feet. Well, pause. Then he feels something weird behind him, and he turns his head to look. His body is long, black, sleek, and he has a tail. A freaking black tail. He turns back to Dean and whines. Sammy, is that you? Dean asks again. He kneels down in front of Sam, looks into his eyes. Sam, what the fuck? Sam tries to steer Dean's attention to the book, but Dean's hyper-focused on him. Sam manages to nudge the book that's still on the table with his nose, which sends the book crashing to the floor. Sam looks down at the book, and there is a panther on the page still, looking at him. The panther roars and then spins, and another panther begins to form beside him. Sam, how do I get you to turn back? Dean asks. Sam startles, which almost causes him to land on his ass, tail, because he's still not used to the four-legged thing. Dean picks up the book, looks at it. There's nothing here, Dean says. Nothing that makes sense, anyway. He turns the page, sighs, and shuts the book. Sam can feel his bones rearranging and his stomach feels like it's being folded in on itself. He can feel his body shifting like before, and for a moment, there's a lot of pain. Sam closes his eyes to breathe through it, and when he opens them again, he's on all fours on the ground, naked. Dude! Dean takes a few steps back, and his eyes are wide with shock. Sitting cross-legged, Sam reaches up, and grabs the book, quickly using it to cover his crotch. He knows he's blushing like a virgin bride, and it's stupid because they've seen each other naked. It's kind of inevitable with the way they have lived practically on top of each other, sharing hotel rooms. Still, being naked in front of a fully clothed Dean after turning back from being a freaking whatever it was he was, is something else. So, do you mind telling me what on earth possessed you to turn into a panther? Dean asks. That's what I was? Sam asks, and then realizes, of course it is. That's what he saw on the page before his world went haywire. I don't know. I I was just reading that book, and I had the stone in my hand, and it just happened, I guess. Dean frowns. He picks up the stone and puts it back on the table and looks down at Sam. Sam is very aware of just how naked he is. Sam sees bits of fabric on the floor that must have been the clothes he was wearing. Apparently, he'd burst out of them when he turned into a panther. Sam has visions of the Incredible Hulk bursting out of his clothes. If the Incredible Hulk had turned into an overgrown cat instead of a green hulky thing. I don't like this. Dean says, What if something else happened? What if you'd conjured up something dangerous and I wasn't here? I didn't conjure anything, Sam protests. I was just reading and things just happened. This stuff is dangerous, Sam, Dean says. 
I don't like you messing around with it without backup. I am careful, Sam huffs. And I know magic can be dangerous, especially if the magic was once Rowena's. I do my research. I am not a novice at this. I've been doing spells for years now. I know what I'm doing. So, you meant to turn yourself into a panther? Dean asks. He's using that. I'm trying not to judge you tone that always sets Sam's teeth on edge. His eyes are focused, somewhere around Sam's chest. Sam fights the urge to cover his nipples with one hand while the other keeps the book firmly over his crotch. That's especially since, for some weird, bizarre reason, his cock is trying to get hard. Can we discuss this when I have clothes on? Sam asks. Dean sits down on the chair Sam had been sitting on before his transformation. Go ahead, but I'm not going anywhere until we discuss this. This means Sam is going to have to walk past Dean bare-assed. He wants to make Dean leave the room, go to another part of the bunker where there is no chance he will see how Sam's cock is getting hard, like it likes being on display. But there's no way to ask for that without it coming out weird. Sam stands up. Dean watches him. He's smiling, and his eyes are glistening with mischievousness. He raises his eyebrows and looks down at the book, still firmly positioned in front of Sam's privates. Sam doesn't know what this is. Is it flirting? Is it a dare? Jesus, he really has been thinking about Dean too much lately. It's neither of these things, of course it isn't. It's just Dean being Dean. Still, Sam can't exit the room clutching the book over his private parts like a Victorian virgin hiding her ankles. Sam drops the book back on the table and definitely does not run out of the room. He might be walking a little fast, but that's not the same as running at all. Dean's chuckle follows him down the hallway. A change of clothes and a few cold splashes of water to his face later, Sam walks back in the room. Now that he's got clothes on and can focus, his mind is swirling with the possibilities of what this could mean. If he can turn into a panther, how much easier would it be to track werewolves and other shifters in this form? How fast could he travel as a panther? He could easily cover so much more ground than they could on foot. There are a lot of places monsters hide that it's not safe to drive a car into. This could be a game changer for them. Dean's flipping through the book when Sam sits down at the table. I think we should burn this thing, Dean says. Sam grabs it from him and barely stops himself from clutching it to his chest. We can't. There's powerful magic in here. Magic that could help us. Are you telling me you can read this? Because this isn't Latin or Greek or any other language I've ever seen. I don't think it's meant to be read, Sam says. I think it was meant to be seen. Yeah, that makes me feel better about the book, Dean replies. I don't see anything but random weird letters that don't make any sense. The stone and the book are connected. I think the stone is a conduit for the magic that somehow seeped into the pages of the book. But even if we never unlock any of the other magic, just this panther thing is huge. I could hunt werewolves or vampires or whatever in that form, Dean. Panthers are nocturnal creatures. I could see at night. 
I could go places where we can't easily go. I don't like it, Dean replies. What exactly would I be doing while you are running around in your big-ass cat form? What if you get hurt and I'm not there? You're going to be where you always are, by my side, Sam responds. Yeah, because Panthers run at a pace I can keep up with, Dean says. He picks up the stone, holds it in his hand. It stays black. It doesn't change colors, like when Sam holds it. Dean looks from it back to Sam. I guess I could ride you. You are almost the size of a horse in panther form. Something wicked and forbidden comes to Sam's mind, and it has nothing to do with horses. Sam ducks his head, which is for the first time in years he still had bangs to hide behind. Yeah, that's not happening, he says, when he can form actual words. Let's say I'm willing to give this a try, Dean says. Can you control when you turn into a panther and when you turn back into a Sam? Because the idea of you running through the woods with your bare ass shining while a bunch of werewolves are chasing you. Not yet, Sam replies. But I will. Okay, Dean says with a resigned sigh. I think I'm going to need a beer after this. Maybe two. Or ten. Dean stands up as Sam picks up the book and turns back to the page where the panther appeared. Three weeks later. I don't like this, Dean says. So you said, Sam replies. His hand is on the door handle, but he hasn't gotten out of the car yet. Somewhere, a wolf howls. Like a thousand times now. How am I going to even keep up with you? Dean asks. If I find the werewolves, I will come back and get you. Sam answers, not for the first time, or the twelfth. We've got to go, Dean. The moon is rising. They are going to be hunting. They are in Grackland, Nebraska, where last month two teenagers had been found in their parked car with their hearts ripped out. They had apparently been making out in a secluded area of the woods. The official story is wild animals, but Sam saw it for what it is a chance for him to hunt in panther form. He has been practicing transitioning into his panther form and back again, and now can do it fairly seamlessly. He still needs the book and the stone to transform, but when he's ready to transform back, he just concentrates hard on his human self, and the transition begins. This, however, has required Sam to spend a lot of time naked, because if he is wearing clothes when he transforms, They are ripped into pieces, and he only has so many clothes. And of course, when he shifts back, he's naked. And Dean insisted on being there for every shift in case something went wrong, which means Sam has been naked in front of Dean. A lot. Sam doesn't miss the irony of embarking on magic study to get his mind off of Dean and all the things he wants to do to Dean and all the things that he wants Dean to do to him And now every time he takes off his clothes to start the transition, all he can think about is how much he wishes Dean were taking off his clothes as well. Thinking about Dean hasn't stopped at all. If anything, all of this has just made his fantasies more creative. But none of that matters now, because it's a full moon, 
and there's at least one werewolf out there. And Sam needs to get out of the car, and out of his clothes, and shift into his panther form. They are parked at the edge of the woods. The moon, full of course, is just beginning to edge her way up the night sky. Sam gets out of the car with a book and the stone in hand. Dean follows behind him. Dean is all kinds of anxious, and Sam doesn't have to be any kind of psychic to know this. The anxiety is rolling off of Dean in waves. It's going to be fine, Sam reassures Dean. He places the book and stone on the hood of Dean's car. They're in an isolated spot, but Sam still looks around, making sure they are completely alone. It's then Sam spots a splash of red, almost totally hidden by trees. He nods to Dean, and Dean's eyes follow his. Dean pulls his gun out and nods back. When they get closer, they see it's a red jeep, and it's empty. They look all around it and see nothing. Inside the locked jeep, a tube of lipstick sits on the dash. The jeep is otherwise pristine and clean. Somewhere, a wolf howls. Whoever was in the jeep is out there. Sam turns around and runs back to Dean's car, Dean close behind him. Don't go without me, Sam, Dean says. Sam is already pulling off his clothes. He wore slippers instead of his regular boots for the ease of getting them off, and he's naked in seconds. For the first time, he doesn't feel self-conscious about being naked in front of Dean. Doesn't have time to be. He grabs the stone and the book. It opens to the right page, and Sam no longer has to read the words. He knows them by heart. He grips the stone tightly and says the words, watches anxiously as the words on the page wiggle and reform, and the panther roars to life. He's already transitioning, so he barely glimpses another panther, which appears to be silver, forming beside the big black one on the page and then he's in panther form. The wolf howls again, but Sam doesn't need to follow the sound. He can scent him now, and he bounds into the woods at full speed. He hears Dean cursing, but it sounds far away. Ahead of him, a woman screams, and then someone is yelling obscenities. Sam, sure-footed and running so fast everything around him is just a blur, heads toward the sound. He's there in seconds, There are three werewolves and two women. Sam doesn't have silver, but he's got sharp teeth and he knows somewhere Dean is beside him. Sam sinks his teeth in the werewolf trying to subdue a blonde woman who is fighting it tooth and nail. The werewolf howls and lets go of the woman so it can attack Sam. The werewolf is big in its wolf form, but Sam is bigger. The werewolf is powerful and fights hard, and there are two more werewolves beside this one, but Sam has one important advantage. When a werewolf transforms, they function on hunger-driven instinct, but Sam, in panther form, is still Sam, the same person that has been hunting since barely out of his teens. Silver isn't the only way to kill a werewolf, and when Sam is finished with this one, the werewolf is nothing but fur-covered bits and pieces scattered over the ground. He advances to the next werewolf, who was holding a young, red-headed woman like a shield. Sam just goes for the werewolf's legs. Out of his peripheral vision, 
he can see the third werewolf run away, but he's got his teeth sunk deep into this one. Dean makes it to the clearing, and Sam lets go of the werewolf he's just bitten. Knowing that Dean can handle things here, he takes off after the third werewolf. Sam, Dean yells, but Sam has a werewolf to catch. The third one is fast, probably pure blood, because even with the full moon, he transforms back into his human self. He's running as fast as he can, his eyes wild as he looks behind him and sees Sam getting closer and closer. Sam reaches him somewhere deep into the woods. What are you? The werewolf asks. You're not a panther, and I've been around a long time, a very long time, and I've never seen a were turn into a panther before. So what are you? Sam roars, a sound that vibrates off the trees, echoes deep into the woods. The man visibly shivers. Okay, let's talk about this. I promise I won't hurt anyone else if you just let me go. It's an empty promise, and Sam knows it. But it's hard to attack the werewolf when he looks so human, with his big brown pleading eyes. Sam hesitates, just a moment, and then catches the man's fingernails turning into claws, and pounces, just as the man transforms back into a werewolf. The first werewolf had been easy to take down, probably recently turned and without the knowledge of attack that comes with experience. This werewolf is no novice. He's only slightly smaller than Sam, and just as vicious as Sam is. Sam has to keep shifting his position to avoid the werewolf's sharp teeth. He isn't sure what would happen if he were bitten by a werewolf in panther form, and he has no desire to find out. The werewolf's claws are sharp, and Sam isn't as good at avoiding them. They pierce Sam's sleek skin more than once. It's hard to bite someone when you are struggling not to be bitten, and Sam is nowhere near as experienced in his animal form as this wolf is in his. He slips on the wet moss under his paws, and a few seconds later, the wolf has knocked him flat and is towering over him, teeth gleaming in the moonlight. Sam hears his name being yelled, and the werewolf's attention is diverted long enough for Sam to get the upper hand. He digs his teeth into the wolf's neck, shaking his head back and forth as he flings the wolf around like a very heavy rag doll. The wolf howls and tries to get away, but Sam just digs his teeth in deeper, can feel the blood dripping from his chin, down his chest, as his teeth slice deeper and deeper into the wolf's neck. The wolf whimpers and then becomes silent and still as the last few tendons of the wolf's neck fall victim to Sam's teeth. Sam spits out the fur and the blood, and now that the adrenaline rushes over, he's feeling kind of sick to his stomach. He hears a whining sound, and he thinks it's coming from him, and then Dean is kicking away the headless body of the wolf and kneeling by his side. Shit, Sam, you're hurt. Dean says. He's looking at the wounds caused by the wolf's claws. Sam had forgotten about them, but now that Dean mentions them, he feels bright, red-hot pain. Sam, Dean says, and his voice is big brother sharp. Transform. Sam concentrates on his human self, and, after a few seconds of the now familiar pain and rearranging of bones and insides, Sam is sitting naked on the ground. 
Dean checks out Sam's leg, which has been clawed on a few different places, rubs his hand over Sam's thigh. Sam is fairly sure it's meant to be reassuring, but his body is still buzzing with the effects of the hunt, the kills, and he's embarrassingly aware that his cock is rapidly getting hard and responding to Dean's touch. Sam has killed a thousand monsters in his life, give or take, and has never gotten hard after killing one, but he's hard now. He can't figure out why, and certainly doesn't want to analyze it, or analyze why his cock twitches when Dean's gaze locks onto it. Dean stares openly and gulps once or twice, his hands still pressing against Sam's thigh. Then they are kissing. Sam has no idea who initiated the kiss, or how they became lip-locked, but they are kissing with tongue and teeth, each fighting to dominate the other. Dean is practically in Sam's lap, and Sam's hands are pressing against Dean's back, holding him close. Dean grips the back of Sam's head, fingers tangling in Sam's hair. Sam feels so hot he thinks he might explode, wants to explode so badly, with Dean's hands and teeth and tongue leaving trails of heat and want in their path. Let's take this somewhere more comfortable, Dean suggests. Sam's leg hurts when he stands up, but really, who cares about a few claw marks when Dean's perfect pouty lips are so close? The next second, they are kissing again, Sam's naked body pressing against Dean's fully clothed one. They move as they kiss, somehow their feet still propelling them forward. A few moments later, they make it to the clearing where the women had set up camp. Where are the women? Sam asks, as Dean starts pulling off his clothes, immediately distracting Sam. Ran off, Dean explains. He's shirtless, and he must have been secretly working out because his chest is broad and chiseled, and his shoulder muscles are bulging, and Sam wants to lick all the way down Dean's chest to his treasure trail, which is just peeking above Dean's jeans, which are irritatingly still on. Heard their Jeep engine start. They're probably halfway to Wyoming or wherever the hell they came from by now. Sam thinks he should worry about the women and what they saw, but it's far more important that Dean's pants get removed. Their hands fight over Dean's belt until Dean bats Sam's away and begins to unbuckle his belt himself. Sam watches Dean undress and considers for maybe half a moment that they should talk about this, but Dean's pulling his pants off and judging by the way his cock is hard and jutting out proudly, Dean is as into this as Sam is. Talking is overrated, anyway. Sam has always known Dean is beautiful, but damn... Looking at him now makes Sam's heart ache and his cock twitch. It's kind of hard to believe that he's allowed to touch something as beautiful as Dean is. Sam moves closer and places a hand over Dean's tattoo, the same tattoo that he has over his chest, and he swears he can feel heat radiating from Dean's body, squirming its way into his. He steps closer still and grimaces when a shock of pain runs up his leg. He had completely forgotten about the injuries from the werewolf's claws. You're in pain, Dean says, going from sex god to mother hen in the flash of a second. I should go to the car and get the first aid kit. Dean, 
you're naked, Sam points out. I am pretty sure the squirrels have seen it all before. Dean replies. Dean, I'm naked. You're naked. Do you really want to push pause to patch up an injury that isn't even bothering me that much? You have a point. Dean looks around them, so Sam does too. It looks like the werewolves interrupted the women, preparing for dinner. There's a small fire pit, not lit, set up by a pink and gray plaid tent. Right outside the opening of the tent is a small red cooler. Dean opens the cooler and pulls out a bottle of water like he's pulling a sword out of a stone, holding it aloft in triumph. Whatever else is in the cooler doesn't seem to be of interest right now because Dean closes the lid. He walks back to Sam, his long, pretty cock sticking almost straight out proudly, and Sam is slammed right back into a state of lust and desire. Why don't we take this to the tent? Dean suggests. He picks up his shirt and rips a strip of cloth from it and carelessly drops the shirt back in the ground. The tent is small, but it's definitely better than making out on the cold, hard ground, and Sam is more than ready to get off his bum leg, so he crawls into the tent. There's just one sleeping bag, open already, with two pillows. Sam lies down, bends his leg. He knows he looks like he's making an offering, but that's okay, because he is. Dean crawls into the tent, bottle of water and strip of cloth gripped together in one hand. He sits up and whistles. Damn, Sam, you are so fucking beautiful. Sam doesn't even realize he's biting his lower lip until he tastes the copper of his blood as he watches Dean bend over, rub one hand over Sam's thigh as the other one rinses Sam's wounds. The sting barely registers through the haze of Sam's lust as Dean cleans out the wounds and uses the strips of shirt to bandage them. We'll put something better on it when we get back to baby. Dean promises. But right now, I've got other things on my mind. Dean's hand rubs his thigh. His fingers dance over Sam's balls. A finger wet with water traces over Sam's hole and Sam lifts his ass up so that Dean can have better access. Are you sure about this? Dean asks. He should at least make the offer. Do you want to talk first? Hell no. Do you? Dean asks. Sam leans down, grabs Dean by the shoulders and pulls him into a kiss, stealing both of their breath away. We don't have anything, Dean says between kisses, his hands running down Sam's sides. Sam's leaving scratch marks down Dean's back, wants everyone to know that Dean is his. Dean returns the favor by leaving a hickey on the side of Sam's neck, marking Sam in his own way. It's been a long time since Sam has bottomed. In the days before he met Jessica, he'd experimented a lot with sex, trying to replace the ache he felt from the loss of Dean with something, anything else. It hadn't worked but not from want of trying. He knows from experience that without lube it will hurt like hell, but Sam is more than willing to feel a little discomfort to get Dean inside of him. I don't care, Sam says to Dean. I want you to. Are you sure? Dean asks. By how hard Dean is, 
Dean is more than on board with the idea, and Sam reaches between them, gives Dean's cock a few rough strokes. Dean arches his back and curses. I've never been sure of anything in my life, Sam replies. I'll take care of the prep. You just lay there and look pretty. Sam grabs the water bottle, removes the cap with his teeth. Dean sits down beside him, one hand plucking first one of Sam's nipples, and then the other, as Dean lazily strokes his cock and fuck. If Sam doesn't come before Dean gets inside of him, it's going to be a freaking miracle. Sam liberally coats his fingers with the water and sticks two up his ass. It's a tight fit and more than a bit painful, but Dean's hungry eyes are tracking his movements and Sam is motivated to push past the pain. He wanted to do this himself because his newest brother would have wanted to be careful, take his time, try to make this painless for Sam. Next time, when they have lube and are safe in the bunker, Dean can take all the time he wants to. But Sam has been waiting for what feels like a lifetime for this, and he's more than ready to be fucked. Sam scissors his fingers, and he can feel his inner walls begin to give, not gripping his fingers so tightly. He takes them out and wets his fingers again. Dean is licking his lips, probably unconsciously, as Sam continues the too brief, too little prep. He stretches his hole as best as he can while consumed with the burning need to replace his fingers with Dean's dick. Sam removes his fingers once more and uses what's left of the water to wet Dean's cock. Sam leans over, swallows Dean's cock, using his tongue and mouth to add spit to the water. Dean's hand grabs Sam's hair and tugs, just a little. Don't, he warns. I'm not going to last long, and when I come, I want it to be inside of you. You have no idea how long I've waited for this moment. The thought that Dean has been waiting for Sam, just like Sam has been waiting for Dean, is enough to send Sam perilously close to the edge. He gives Dean's cock another lick and lets it fall from his mouth. Okay, yeah. Sam agrees. Dean settles in front of Sam, kneeling with his own legs spread wide, and his long, hard cock glistening enticingly in front of him. Are you sure you're ready for this? Dean asks. Fuck me, Sam says in response. Dean guides his cock to Sam's ass, and they both moan when just the tip of Dean's cock enters him. Sam scoots closer, pushing his ass onto Dean's cock, so that a few more inches sink in. Dean's cock is freaking long, and it's not even halfway in Sam, and Sam already feels so full. Feels like there is no way Dean is going to fit inside him. I knew you were going to feel good, Dean says, pushing in another delicious, torturous inch. But your ass is the best damn thing I've ever felt around my cock. Can't wait to get it all the way inside. Can't wait to fuck that pretty ass of yours. Do it, Sam urges. He reaches up, pulls Dean into a heated kiss. Don't make me wait any longer, big brother. Fuck yeah. Dean grips Sam's shoulders, his fingers digging into Sam's skin, leaving more marks, which is more than all right with Sam. Dean pushes his cock the rest of the way into Sam. Sam can't completely hide his reaction to the pain but it also feels amazing, and it feels right. 
Dean kisses away the tears Sam didn't even know he shed. Tell me when it's okay to move, Sam. Sam wants to tell him to go ahead, but he forces himself to take a moment to adjust, to relax. Being surrounded by the scent and feel of Dean helps, as does Dean kissing him, and when Sam knows he's as ready as he ever is going to be, he nods. Dean's careful as he pulls out and pushes back in, and it still hurts, but not as much. Sam lets himself get distracted by Dean's mouth and Dean's hands. Let me in, Dean urges. That's it. That's good. You're doing so amazing, Sam. God, the way you feel around my cock. Always knew you'd be perfect. And each time Dean thrusts in, it gets a bit easier. And when Dean's cock grazes Sam's prostate, it goes from, yeah, that feels good, to, oh shit, do that again. Dean laughs. His mouth is on Sam's shoulder, and Sam feels the vibrations of that laugh travel down his body, down to where their bodies are joined. Dean pushes in again, hits Sam's prostate dead on, and there is no pain now, just intense, heady pleasure. Dean moves, steadily thrusting into Sam's body, and Sam arches his, meeting Dean halfway, his body eagerly taking everything Dean is giving him. Not gonna last long, Dean says. Not this time. Two pump Charlie, Sam teases. Brat. Dean bites his shoulder and then licks the bite mark. He thrusts in a few more times and Sam reaches between them, stroking his cock in time with Dean's thrusts. That's it, Dean says. Come for me, Sam. I want to see your face when you come. I want to see you fall apart and know that I was the cause. Sam's balls tighten, his legs wrapped around Dean's back. He can feel his inner walls tighten around Dean's cock, and he groans Dean's name as he spills in the space between them. His orgasm seems to go on forever taking Sam higher and higher as Dean shouts and shudders, and Sam knows Dean is filling him with cum. Dean collapses on top of Sam, and Sam wraps his arms around Dean. They are plastered together by sweat and cum, and Sam thinks, this is the happiest moment of my life, as he holds his brother. After a few moments, Dean pulls out carefully and uses his torn shirt to wipe away as much cum as he can but that barely registers with Sam. Exhausted by the hunt, the transformation, and the mind-blowing orgasm, Sam falls fast asleep. He's never imagined what the morning after would be like. He's imagined what it would feel like to kiss Dean. He's imagined a lot of scenarios that involve sex, including imagining just what Dean and his cock-sucking lips could do to him, but never the morning after. He wakes up before Dean, Sam's very sore all over, especially his ass, and his leg is still hurting, and also, it's beginning to itch. Dean is so freaking beautiful in sleep that Sam thinks Sleeping Beauty would be green with jealousy. What time is it? Dean asks, blinking his eyes open. He looks younger than he actually is, adorably soft in his half-asleep state. I don't know, but we should probably get going. Sam says. The women might come back to get their stuff. 
Yeah. Dean yawns. Stretches. How are you feeling? Okay. Sam replies. He sits up and tries to hide his wince. But when he looks at Dean, Dean is smirking. The bastard. Then Dean leans over and kisses him. A soft, barely there kiss that still manages to steal Sam's breath away. Good morning. Dean says. Yeah, Sam agrees, and he just knows he has the goofiest look on his face, but can't bring himself to care. When they leave the tent, it's early morning. The sun isn't even high enough to make her presence known through the trees. Dean gets dressed in his jeans and boots, picking up his shirt, first torn and then used to wipe away cum. He wads it into a ball and throws it deep into the woods. They leave the tent and the supplies the women left behind, in case they come back for their things. Sam's clothes are back at the car, and he's very aware of walking naked through the woods. He realizes Dean is lagging behind, and turns around to see what the holdup could be. Dean grins. Just enjoying the view. Sam is definitely not blushing, as he flips his brother off, then turns back around, and heads toward the car. They are mostly lost in their own thoughts as Sam puts on his clothes and retrieves the book and stone from the hood of the car. They go through a drive through for breakfast, just as the sun is turning from red-orange to yellow. The teenaged girl at the drive through window almost drops the sack of sausage-egg biscuits when she sees bare-chested Dean. We probably need to get you a shirt before you get arrested for public indecency, Sam says. Much more likely they'll build a shrine to my chest, Dean says, reaching in the sack at the same time Sam does. Their hands touch, and Sam's mind goes back to the night before, and heat pools in his stomach, travels southward. Yeah, whatever, Sam says, and Dean winks at him. Everything feels fuzzy and warm, and Sam's not used to this much happiness. They check out of the motel where Dean puts on a shirt and insists on treating the wounds on Sam's leg, and they head back home. Sam's thinking of other hunts where his panther persona could be useful. Maybe vampires. Anything that runs fast. And then his ass twinges, and his thoughts wander to the night before, and linger there. The way that Dean felt, pushing so deep inside of him. The way that Dean held him. I want to become a panther too. Sam is jostled out of his thoughts by the announcement. It takes a few moments for the words to break through his sex-hazed mind. You what? I want to be a panther, too. Witches have familiars, right? So they aren't out there without any help. You could have been hurt last night, Sam. Worse than you were. I want to be your familiar. I want you going anywhere I can't go with you. You want to be my familiar? Yes, absolutely. Dean, you hate witches. You hate everything about them, Sam points out. That's not true. Not when you're one, anyway. Whether you like it or not, it's my job to protect you. And the only way I can do that is to become what you become. I'm not sure it's even possible, Sam says. But then he thinks of the night before, of seeing the second panther forming. Sam and Dean have always been like intertwined and interwoven branches. Sam tried to break free more than once. 
but whatever force it is that made them this way always leads him back to Dean. Dean has said it more than once, and Sam knows it to be true. They are stronger together. They were meant to walk through this life together, side by side, no matter what path they chose to take. You're right, Sam says. Dean looks at him so long that the car almost wanders off the road, causing another car to blow their horn at them. Dean quickly turns his attention back to the road, but seconds later, he's side-eyeing Sam again. Can you repeat that, please? Maybe record it for posterity? Sam Winchester, admitting his older and wiser brother, is right. You're an idiot, Sam says. Dean just grins bigger. There are a few moments of silence while Sam mulls over the possibilities of Dean becoming a panther too and tries to figure out how to make that happen. The stone doesn't glow when Dean holds it, but there had been two panthers in the book, so there probably is a way. So, last night, Dean says, and then clears his throat, several times. Sam looks at him. Dean is carefully looking straight at the road, but his fingers are gripping the steering wheel tighter than they normally do. Sam looks straight ahead, too. We had sex. That's my Sammy, always straight to the point. Dean teases, half-heartedly. Are you regretting it? Sam asks. Dean doesn't answer for an agonizing long moment. Do you? I asked first. Sam asserts. You said last night you've always wanted to. Did you mean that? Or was it just something you thought I wanted you to say? Remember that hunt at the lake in Vermont? Dean asks. That sea monster? We never did figure out what kind. You were 16, always in a mood, chip on your shoulder the size of a mountain. Dad and I were trying to figure out how to lure the thing closer to shore, and you just dove right in. Didn't even take off your clothes, not your boots, not anything. Just dove into that water, and that thing almost got you before Dad and I got to it first. I thought you would be terrified. That thing had been closer to you than we are right now. And you really hadn't had a lot of one-on-one with monsters at the time, being mainly the research guy. But when I looked at you, you were laughing. Your two long hair dripping water, your whole body shaking. You were laughing so hard. And I never wanted anyone more. Thought it was a temporary thing, born of fear and adrenaline. I knew how twisted and wrong it was but that feeling never went away. We've wasted so much time, Sam says. He reaches over, pries one of Dean's hands from its death grip on the steering wheel, holds it in his. To answer your question, no, I don't regret it. Dean's smile could light up the darkest cave. Me either, Dean says. In fact, can't wait to do it again. I'm all yours, Sam replies, squeezing Dean's hand and then caressing Dean's palm with one of his fingers. Sam's pretty certain Dean broke every traffic law there was, but by the time night fell, they were back in the bunker, and a few short moments later, Dean was on his knees in front of Sam in the shower.
the next day. So, do you think this will work? Dean asks. They are naked in the library. This is their second attempt at this. The first attempt had ended in Dean fucking Sam as Sam bent over the table, sending books scattering everywhere with the force of Dean's thrusts. Then there was the makeout session in the shower. Now they were trying this again, and it was all Sam could do not to drop the book, grab Dean, and start kissing those bee-swollen lips of his. Stop looking at my lips, Dean says. Focus. Sam forces his eyes from Dean's lips to the book. The stone is glowing yellow in his hand. He hands it to Dean. It turns back to black. Dean looks at the stone. I guess I don't have the same mojo you have. You have plenty of mojo, Sam says. We just need a way to... Oh, I am an idiot. It's not your fault, Sammy. I fucked you stupid. Dean teases. Sam rolls his eyes. He steps closer to Dean. He holds the book in one hand. He grabs Dean's hand with the other, covering the stone. He can feel it vibrate between them, their fingers touching each other's and the stone. Repeat these words after me. Trastin, Abjurati, Jubers, Orific, Jajatra. Sam transforms first, letting go of Dean and the stone as he does so. He sees the stone turn from yellow to green, and then Dean is transforming too, his body contorting, his eyes wide as his body shifts and changes. And then Sam is staring at a silver panther with green, Dean's, eyes. Did it work? It worked, right? I'm a panther? Sam can hear Dean's voice in his head, clear as a bell. And fuck, won't that come in handy on hunts? Yes, he replies. Dean licks Sam's face, and Sam squirms to get away from him. He runs out of the library, Dean close at his heels. Miracle barks happily and joins in the chase, and soon they are chasing each other all around the bunker. Dean is a destructive force as a panther. He runs right into things. His tail knocks things over. He leaps onto everything he sees, splitting one of the chairs around the war table, which pleases Dean to no end. They frolic and play, and it's like years have been taken from both of them. Years of worry and hard choices and lost friends. They are like children together again, running around, Dean trying to bite Sam's tail, Miracle trying to jump on their backs. Sam feels light and free. They end up back in Sam's bedroom, having left an exhausted Miracle asleep in Dean's. Sam transforms as Dean leaps onto the bed, sprawling all over the covers. Sam lies behind Dean. He can no longer hear Dean. Apparently the telepathy thing doesn't work if one is in human form. Sam pets Dean's silky fur. He's a beautiful panther. The silver in his fur, making his green eyes somehow impossibly greener. Dean whines, and although Sam can't hear his thoughts, he knows his brother. You can do it, Sam says to Dean. Just concentrate on your human form. Dean closes his eyes, and his panther body tenses, but nothing happens. Sam whispers words of encouragement 
but they don't seem to help. Dean's getting more anxious, but Sam has all the faith that Dean can transform back on his own. He just needs a little encouragement. Sam stands up and stretches. He opens one of his dresser drawers and pulls out a bottle of lube, being sure that his ass is on display as he does so. When he turns back around, Dean is sitting on the bed, making grabby hands at him. Knew you could do it, Sam says, not at all smugly. Well, maybe a little smugly. Get your ass over here. Turning into a panther makes me horny. Breathing makes you horny, Sam replies. He straddles Dean's lap, shoves the lube into Dean's hands. My ass is empty, Dean. Be a good big brother and fix that for me, will you? And Dean does. Two weeks later, they don't need the book anymore, or the words. The stone is enough. They hold it clasped between their hands. Sam brings Dean's hands to his lips, kisses it. Dean nods at Sam. They transform together, the stone falling to the ground between them. The vampires never saw them coming. The End